Good morning. Welcome today to Victory. Thank you for those of you online that have logged in to one of our platforms. Or actually, I think right now it's just Facebook, and then it will appear after the service on um, YouTube. But we are grateful today to have you. We hope that you were blessed last Sunday, the Sunday prior. We had a real quick two Sunday series called Grace is Greater Than Race. We had some amazing guests last Sunday. Dr. Sharon Nesbitt from Dominion World Outreach, my dear friend Jana Alcorn from Huntsville, Alabama, uh, world, literally 40 nations, um, and also Dr. Chastity Anthony, and just so grateful to have each of them. Also our own uh, Pastor Haley Bryant. Sometimes I still, like the old mind kicks in gear, and I want to call her Haley Vest. That was her maiden name. I had to battle that for a second there. We're beginning a new series this morning, which will be for this month, the month of September, four messages called Unite. And I think Unite is a powerful biblical concept, both Old and New Covenant, that is the logical next step after speaking to problem issues that we face as a nation, particularly here in the South, with a few of the, the remnants or the vestiges of kind of the Old South. Um, you may not actually see it outwardly, but certainly it is in attitudes. And so we want to uh, take the steps to identify the problems that are here. The church is always called to demonstrate the answer. If, if the church can't get this right, the world is doomed. Because it is in Christ that we have been reconciled, not only to God in the sense of uh, reconciling the sin on the debt on our account. Uh, but we've also learned that reconciliation and the gospel is not just vertical only from God to man, but it's horizontal from people to people, from men to men, women to women, okay, human to human. This morning as we begin this new series called Unite, you'll notice on the graphic behind me a set of hands, and they are surrounding and emphasizing one letter in this, can you tell me what that one letter is? I. Notice that the, disti the distinction or the difference between two, wo two words that have opposite meanings, unite, and the opposite is the same letters, untie. The distinction or the difference between whether we unite or we untie has to do with where the I is. Y'all following me? So where I am in this mix, in my mind, in my mentality, in my mindset, this whole thing is tied up in I. So if, if we unite, this works in your home, in your marriage, in your family, this works in your job, in your business. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you know how difficult it is to lead a disunited team. If the church is not together, and there are literally hundreds of of warnings and admonishments and declarations and commandments in Scripture to come together and unite. Uh, even as I shared with you during the Grace is Greater Than Race quick series that for all of the different representations of humans in the varied tapestry of colors, red and yellow, black, white, brown, uh, all of those representations, we share 99.9% .9 identical DNA as human beings. The Bible teaches us that we are one human race, 
the, 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 actually the concept of race is, a, is man's concept. It is not a Bible idea. We are one human race. Acts 17 says that from one blood, God made all of the nations of the earth. One blood. We all started from the same source. Come on, somebody. So we have that in common. And this morning, it's no longer about the idea of race, but it's about uniting around all of the things that we have in common and then celebrating the few areas of diversity, skin color, hair texture, culture, music, preferences, food, all of these wonderful different things that give us spice to life. I uh, do not, I, 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 I am a creature of habit, I have a routine. Um, the, the, one of the things that has helped me to slim down over the last several months is that I, pre- I prep food and I eat almost the same thing every day. Now, when I have an opportunity on the weekend to have a cheap meal, I definitely enjoy a change in flavor. I want some spice. I want something different. Uh, today, depending on the crowd, I may eat some Indian food or I may go have a pyro oven-fired pizza. I don't know what, but it's my cheap day and I'm going to have myself a good time and I'm going to eat something different than what I've been eating all week long. If, if you always do the same, it gets to be boring. There, there's diversity which should be celebrated in every one of these areas. We may have preferences that we lean to most of the time, but thank God for the, for the variety. Somebody say, thank God for the variety. This morning, as we look to unity, remember there's one distinction. One thing makes the difference is whether we unite or untie, and that's where the I is. This morning, our text is found in John chapter 17, uh, which is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, many times, Luke and Matthew, Matthew 6, are labeled the Lord's Prayer, but technically those, that's, those are the locations of the disciples' prayer when they came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so that's how he wants the disciples to pray. I say it with me. Let's do it right now. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the disciples' prayer. We're to begin by honoring God, recognize the holiness of his name. We're to declare, come kingdom of God, come lordship reign in the circumstances of my life, in the nation in which I live. Let the will of God be done, will of God be accomplished. What I need today, Lord, grant it, provide for my needs. Lord, forgive my sins as I take the step of faith to forgive those who are indebted to me. I release them from their debt. Lead me, O God, in the middle of temptation. Keep me from it. Deliver me from the evil one because all of this is yours. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. It's all of yours forever and ever. And we end by saying not a religious words, amen, but it means what? So be it. So we're saying, let all those words I just declared, let them come to pass. That's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's prayer, where he literally prayed for you, every one of us, and I'll show you where you're in this this morning. It's in John 17. He is in the garden. He is in the position of literally being in so much angst and personal anxiety that he sweats drops of blood. A couple of the gospels show us that. 
And this is where he says in John 17, verse 11, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, talking about the disciples, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. And really, everybody read this. Come on. So that they will be what? United just as we are. I want you to see that this morning. Jesus prays his last prayer before he goes to the cross. And he prays for the Father to give us the goods, the ability the power, the strength to be united because there is power and there is blessing in unity. Somebody say amen. Let's get three more verses from this same high priestly prayer, the intercessory prayer of the Lord Jesus. He says in verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, those are the ones that are standing with him at that moment in time, but look at this. He says, everybody say, but also. But also for all who will what? ever believe in me through their message. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's me. Come on. He was praying not only for the 12, including the one that would betray him. Now think about that. But he was also praying for all of those throughout history that because of the message of those disciples who become the apostello, the sent ones, all of those who would believe in him because of their message. That includes every one of us and all of those in the future who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you see that, say amen. Okay, so he's not just praying for those 12. He's praying for all of us. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that, here it is right here, this is the purpose, so that the world will what? It, unity is so critical that when we can get our act together, it has the difference of affecting the world to the point that says, guys, this is legitimate. This is real. These people have come together and there is, they're unified. Now let me just, uh, before I jump ahead and get ahead of myself, let me just stay right here. So that the world will believe you sent me. This is the only way that we're going to reach the world with the gospel and have the end time harvest of multitudes of hundreds of millions, yea, even billions of people that will be swept into the kingdom of God. And that is that we would get our act together. One of the old charismatic teachers, hero of mine, Bob Mumford, during the early charismatic movement used to say it this way, Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. Bob Mumford used to say it this way. He said, you know, let me give you the Mumford translation. He says, when two or three of you can get your act together, I'll show up just to see it. <laughs> How do you hear that? Because the whole point is, is that people struggle because of those little few differences as the whole body of Christ with multiplied denominations, folk, we have 99.9% .9 shared identity. The things that separate us theologically are far fewer than those things that unite us together around the one whose name is Jesus. The one who says, I run into your arms. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning. He says, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be what? One as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such. What is it? Such what? 
perfect unity that the world will what? There it is right there. The world will know. Twice in this passage, Jesus says, let them be one so the world may believe. Let them have such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them. Oh my gosh, get this. Think about what we are about to say out of our mouths right now. Read this with me. So that the world may know that you sent me and read it and that you love them as much as you love me. Okay, I heard one woo. There's one person who sort of got it. Everybody in the room knows that the father loves the son, but you just can't wrap your head around the idea that the father loves you as much as he loves that uniquely begotten. Those are Jesus' words, folk. Look at your neighbor and say, look at your neighbor and say, I want you to say this. God's got his, your picture on his refrigerator. I was rearranging the magnets on mine yesterday and looking at family photos and Abby and Callie and her mom, Lee, in front of Graceland and looking at the picture of my new grandson. He's going to be a year old this month. I'll be out one Sunday this month because I'm going to be doing some things important. I'm going to be down there celebrating Henry Wade's first birthday. So um, I'm excited, very excited. That the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much as you love me. Let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word today. I pray in Jesus' name that you prepare hearts to receive the challenges that come when we attempt to guard and protect unity. Lord, it is such a valuable, critical asset. Lord, we desperately need to come together and serve one another and love each other. I ask you, Jesus, that you be in the words that I speak because you're in the thoughts that I think. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are my strength and my redeemer. Lord, be in the hearts and the ears and the eyes and the minds and the thoughts of your people that we might receive this word and apply it and walk in it. We'll be careful to give you the praise, Jesus, Savior, Christ, Lord. It's in your name we pray and everybody said. My one thing that I bring to you, repeat like a chorus in this message Unity is so important to the Lord that he makes it a determining factor in receiving his blessing. Come on, read it like you mean it. Unity is so important to the Lord that he makes it a determining factor in receiving his blessing. Point number one this morning, I want to go to Psalm 133. It is the classical Old Testament passage about unity. Some of you probably know it. It says, oh, how pleasant and beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. The NLT says it this way, how wonderful... And pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Same concept. Harmony is this idea musically of of sharing a common key and all of the scale that is in that key and sharing a common chord structure, something that is not dissonant to the ear, but it's harmonious. It is something that is moving together. And so the psalmist says this. This is one of the psalms of ascent. There are 15 of them. From Psalm 121 through 134, it's literally scriptures that are quoted every year to their ascent up to the hill of Zion in Jerusalem. As all of Israel would travel and come together three times a year, Feast of Passover, Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles in the first, the third, and the seventh month of the year. And they would come together and to declare that God is God, that he's God over the nations, he's God over the world. 
and they would declare these 15 psalms, these psalms of degrees, psalms of ascent, 15 in scriptures, the number of rest. As they would take these steps ascending the hill of Zion, they were entering into the rest of God. And this one is right there at the very close of it. And he says, okay, you guys are coming together. And the psalmist writes, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. The Hebrew literally says, when brothers dwell together, together. How many of you know, sometimes being together is the greatest challenge. I don't know if you guys know this, but Scott is building. We, we had a joke that was just for the, for the green room back there. They've bought land and they're getting ready to build. And they were talking about, uh, you know, they just got a new rent house and they're in that while they're building this new building. I said, why don't you put that travel trailer on that? And I said, I, first of all, I don't think it's possible to put a, a family of five, mom and dad, three daughters, and a pet, a dog, into a small travel trailer. I said, that's a togetherness that I don't think most folk can, can stand. You talk about spiritual growth being in those confined. Can you imagine five people and a dog living in a tiny house? Have you ever seen those shows about the tiny houses? You know, there's something kind of cool about that minimalist idea. When, when my wife passed, I actually thought, I'm, I'm going to get rid of this and just kind of really downsize. And I ended up with another dog. And then I ended up with Abby's dog. And my ideas of downsizing and getting a condominium on the, on the river over there ended and or maybe a loft in a warehouse is really what I was thinking because I needed space for my grand piano. <laughs> and uh, I just said, you know, I've got to have some space for these dog to, dogs to run. I can't imagine having to go out and run, run, walk these dogs every day. And dwelling together, together is the challenge, which where you really get to see uh, how much love you have for each other how much understanding you have. Now, notice what he says, how wonderful and pleasant when brothers live together in harmony. And then he gives us two comparisons. In verse 2, he talks about the anointing oil. He says, for harmony is as precious. Everybody say valuable. Say weighty. The, the, the Bible word precious is, is not like um, a little, little baby girl's room that's painted in pink. Oh, isn't that precious? That's how we have, in our current 21st century, have sort of um, taken away. I don't want to say perverted, but we've literally removed the meaning. The Bible word precious has to do with value. If you think about this, when you go to a jeweler, you are dealing in precious stones. And they're called precious stones because they're valuable, okay? Uh, gold is precious because it is weighty. It's weighty. It weighs more than dirt. It's valuable because... There's a whole lot more dirt than there is a nugget of gold, okay? And so when we talk about precious in the Bible, it is saying this is valuable. It is, of, it is of great weight. It is of great consequence. He says, this unity that we're describing is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Now, this is an Old Testament picture of the high priest that was anointed with a special recipe of oil that was guarded. As a matter of fact, if you read through the book of Exodus, book of Leviticus particularly, it will give you the recipe there in the scripture and it says this is to be guarded and not to be copied. You don't want a knockoff of the anointing oil. Man, I wish I could stop and chase that rabbit because there's, there's plenty of knockoffs of the anointing, folk calling things anointed that are not really anointed. It may almost smell like it, but it's not exactly the same thing. It may be loud and it may juke, 
but it's not, uh, not the anointing, all right? And there's nothing wrong with being loud, but just being loud or juking doesn't mean you're actually anointed. Come on, somebody say amen. Sometimes the outward representation or the outward effect of a thing gets copied and folk think that's the same thing and it's not. He says this is as precious. Now, because Jesus has come and he is our once and for all, cannot die, lives immortally, eternal high priest. He was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, the scripture says. And the whole point of this here is that what comes down over the head literally starts to run and seeps down over a beard that is a mature man. And this, it, it continues to run all the way down the robe and into the garments of the high priest, all the way down to where it's, it's dripping off the bottom of the robe. And what I want you to see is this. Jesus is the head of the body, and you are a member in that body, and the same anointing oil that came on his head is also on you because you're part of that body. Now, when the high priest was anointed, it gave him authority in Israel. His words counted when he spoke up, people listened. When he prayed, God moved. When he stood as an intermediary between God, a holy God, and the sinful nation of Israel, and he applied the blood to the altar, when he applied the blood in the most holy place to the, to, to, to the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth, then, then God moved and would, would roll their sins back. And so the, the anointing oil is, is representative of, of authority and power. And what, what the psalmist is saying right here is that the, 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 the unity that you guys can get when you come together is as precious, it is as weighty as the, uh, as the authority that comes from having been anointed by the precious presence of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I, I wish somebody was hearing me this morning. It's, it's running down over the high priest's head and over his beard. This is a mature man. This is not just a novice. It's not somebody just getting started. But, you know, it takes a grown man to grow a beard. And the principle here is, is that this unity that we have, he describes it in terms of precious as the anointing. It is valuable as, it is weighty as this sacred recipe. He gives us another metaphor. He says in verse 3, harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. There is nothing more refreshing to dry ground or plants that need something, need a drink of water than the dew that comes every morning. Now let me just say this to you. Some folk go all week long and they don't get in the presence of God. They don't open the word, don't crack their Bible open. They don't turn on a little bit of worship and, 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 or they don't get on their knees and pray. However you touch God, whether it's opening the word, letting it speak to you, whether it's lifting your heart and worshiping him in song, whether it's getting on your face and praying and crying out. And let me just say to you, all three of those are good and you should learn how to operate in all three, but you may have a preference that you move or gravitate toward more than others and that's fine. Some folk go all week long and they wait to get in here on Sunday morning to get a little shower. And so their ground is dry. And you know, there's some folk that are out of church and they're waiting till a gully washer revival shows up in the spring or the fall. They'll come twice a year when there's a spring revival or a fall revival. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good now. There's spring rains and there's fall rains. 
And once in every generation, there's a, there's a hundred year or a 500 year flood. And I'm looking for that revival in my lifetime where, where nations will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, where the righteousness of God will so prevail in a land that literally you, 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 you can actually lay some of the police force off because the crime rates drop. It's happened in our nation. Charles Grandison Finney was an attorney who got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in the Second Great Awakening. And he went to Rochester, New York in the 1800s and he preached and literally out of the 175,000 people of Rochester, New York, 100,000 of them came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The jails emptied out. The taverns shut down. The, 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 the likelihood of abuse between husband and wife and, and fighting and crime in the streets all of a sudden just diminished and Rochester literally became heaven on earth because revival touched the city. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that in the Delta. That's my dream. That's my hope. I believe God can do that. I believe God can shake America one more time. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I want to tell you this. You can sit around and wait for the, for the, for the lifetime world-changing revival, or you can, you can come twice a year and get in on a revival a week long in the spring or in the fall, in the spring or the fall rains. But you know what God's looking for? He's looking for some people that will come to him every morning, not wait on the rain, but will get the fresh dew that comes before you from being in his presence. Come on, somebody. We need some dew. Look at your neighbor and say, I need some dew. This is where I probably should have come up here with a Mountain Dew this morning, yeah. <laughs> Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon. What is dew? Dew, is, dew provides sustenance. The anointing is authority. The dew is, there's life in it. And look as we finish this morning. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Folk, what I'm trying to tell you is that when we unite when I get in line with what the Lord is doing, when I decide that I'm not going to untie from the purpose of God, but I'm going to unite with my brothers and sisters, I'm going to unite my family, I'm going to unite with my wife, I'm going to unite with my children, I'm going to lead us in unity, we're going to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace, Ephesians chapter 4 says. I'm going to unite, I'm not going to untie. When I do that, God says, this thing is so powerful he reminds us, he says, unity is so important to the Lord that he makes a determining factor in receiving his blessing. There, when it says it right here, there the Lord has pronounced his blessing. It's not talking about the mountain of Zion. It's talking about the place where people get unified. We need that. Let's be together. Let's walk together. Let's see God give us the authority of the anointing. Let's see God give us the power of the sustenance of the dew of his presence. There the Lord commands life. You know what? You can tell when, when a church is united because the Spirit of God is moving. People are getting saved. Miracles are taking place. Prayers are being answered. Folk are being healed. Addictions are being broken. Chains are being destroyed. Bondages are being sent back to the pit from where they came. Come on. It's all about the name of Jesus, but it's about the fact that we can unite and God will bless it or we can untie and we can face the consequences. Somebody say amen. Unity is so important to the Lord that he makes it a determining factor in receiving his blessing. There, the Lord commands the blessing. Are you getting anything out of this? Point number two, quickly. I want you to see an Old Testament example. We're going to learn a positive principle from a negative example. We're going to see 
a positive principle from a negative story found in the Bible. Here we go. In, in Genesis chapter 11, united in vision. Look at this. That's your cue. There we go. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the what? Same language and used the what? Same words. So we're talking about communication here. We're talking about the ability to get an idea across. We're talking about a unifying language that we can say the same thing is what Paul wrote in his epistles. Go ahead, verse 2. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. Verse 3, they began what? Saying to each other. They said, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Verse 4, then they what? Said. So it's always about what's coming out of their mouths. You know what is a real indicator of whether you're in unity with the purpose of God? What are the words coming out of your mouth? Okay? Are you a gossiper? Are you a complainer? Are you a griper? Are you a mumbler? Are you an arguer? Come on, there's a little bit of that in all of us, but we have to, we have to decide. I am going to unite. I'm not going to untie. All right? He says, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us, everybody say, make us famous, and it will keep us from being scattered all over the world. It's interesting that the things they were trying to do in chapter 11 and failed at, God gave as a gift to Abraham in chapter 12. All of these negative things that he didn't ask for, God said, I'm going to make your name famous, and through you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. You're going to take this land. You're not going to scatter. You're going to gather. And so everything they were trying to do in their own strength and out of a wrong motivation, God gave to Abraham and to his descendants because he believed God. Somebody say amen. Verse 5. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Verse 6, quickly. Look, he said, the people are what? They're what? United. Now remember, we're going to get a positive example from a negative story here. Because this doesn't end well for them. So the, Lord, the Lord says, the people are united. They all speak the what? Say it with me. Same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now, if you don't get anything else out of what I'm saying today, what I, what I want you to grab hold of is that even with a wrong motivation, when you get united for a sake of a purpose, nothing is impossible to you. Come on. Some of you that just said, well, you just don't know what, what, what I'm living with. You just don't understand my spouse. You know what First Peter, he wrote, he said, don't let their strife, don't let strife come between you and your spouse because it will hinder your prayers. Some of you have been praying for some things and can't get an answer, and you want to know why? Because you're grousing and complaining, and you're yank, 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 always nitpicking at her, and she's just complaining and nagging you all the time, and it's just always a bad spirit in the house, and you need to cast that thing out and rekindle the love that you know you still have for her and that you know she still has for you and live and act like what you know you have. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. <laughs> Strife will hinder your prayers. He says they're united. They're speaking the same language. After this, no, everybody say nothing. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Why? Because they have the same language. They're saying the same words. They've communicated the same idea. They have the same goal. They have the same vision. They are unified. They are united. Verse 7. 
come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages, and then they won't be able to understand each other. You recognize that when you try to communicate and you don't get your point across, confusion has just entered. Probably, if, it can, if confusion is allowed to continue, strife will become part of it, and ultimately division occurs. You, you've, you, some of you that are regulars here, Victor, you've seen me do this. You know, so just bear with me for the sake of the new ones. I'm going to say one word, and I want you to think. Get the image of this in your mind. Here we go. This is the one word. Don't, don't blurt it out. Just get the image of what I'm saying in your mind. Apple. How many of you saw a red piece of fruit? Raise your hand. How many of you saw a green piece of fruit? Raise your hand. How many of you saw a computer or a phone? Raise your hand. Every one of you had representations there. And it's because I didn't fully communicate what kind of apple I was talking about. So confusion comes when communication is not clear. That's why most marriages end, first of all, because of communication problems. When you get your act together, nothing will be impossible for you. You will build the marriage you want. You will raise the champions you desire. You will build the business that God has called you to build. When you get your act together, just like Brother Mumford said, when you can get your act together, I will show up just to see it. Because unity is so important. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. Unity is so important to the Lord that he makes it a factor in determining his blessing. And I want that. I want his blessing on my life. He says, they won't be able to understand each other. Verse eight, we're almost finished. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they what? When you can't communicate, you can't build. You can't build a marriage. You can't build your finances. You can't build your resources. You can't build your dream. You can't build your relationship with God when you can't communicate. Only one thing hinders us from communicating with him and that's sin. The scripture says that his hand is not shortened that it cannot save and his ears are not dull that he cannot hear. But we have to take that step. We have to run into his arms. Somebody say amen. All right, verse nine. That is why the city was called Babel because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. We've learned today a positive principle from a negative story. Even when the motive is wrong, if you get united, you can accomplish crazy things. How about we take that and flip it on the right side? We sanctify our hearts. We, we By the blood of Jesus, now we're new creations, and we let him give us the proper desires, and we begin to get ourselves in line according to his word, and we start to say what his word says about us. I am who he says I am. Come on, anybody in the room? I love it. I saw this week, Lauren Daigle's song has broken all records. It has been 100 weeks on Billboard number one. You say, that song, you say, I, I, I say I am all of this that lacks, but you say I am all this because you provided for me. I love that. That's amazing. But a, that a Christian song that is that packed with the word of God and a biblical perspective about God's new creation person can sit on the Billboard charts for a hundred weeks. You want to know why? Because people are hungry to hear the truth about who God made them to be. Put your hands together. Give the Lord praise. I'm wrapping this up. I have one verse. Unity is so important to the Lord that he makes it a determining factor in receiving his blessing. Third point and I'm finished. Have you got anything out of this this morning? There are hindrances to unity. What hinders it? First of all, I'm going to tell you, unity can't be made. It can only be protected. 
Either you are or you're not. And you have to protect. You have to guard it. You have to recognize how valuable, how precious, how important the fact that it is life-giving in your relationships. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul writes one verse, and I'm finished. Paul says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in what? Say it. To live in harmony with each other. And this is where I want you to see. He says, let there be, say it, no divisions in the church. Rather be of what? One mind and what? United in thought and purpose. Somewhere, someday, I'm praying for right now, in this church, in this city, in the Delta, in Arkansas, sitting here on the Mississippi River with all the history that we have, that we can be a people that are so united in the recognition that we are one human race, that we no longer judge our brothers and sisters from the flesh or from the outward appearance or New Living Translation says from a human point of view. Now, folks, this isn't just race. This is social status. This is do you have money or are you poor, are you rich? There's all kinds of prejudice. There's all kinds of judgment against folk. There, there are poor folk who hate rich folk. There are rich folk who hate poor folk. There are ignorant people who hate educated people. There are educated people who hate ignorant people. Whites who hate blacks, the whole racial issue. Males who hate females, female, and all this just gender issues, all kinds of stuff. And I want to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ is called to be united, to have no divisions. There are factions, there are quarrels that are going on in this church in Corinth because there are people that are saying, well, I'm of Paul, well, I'm, I'm of Apollos, well, I'm of Cephas, or which is another Bible name for Peter. I'm, I'm of Peter's tribe. I'm of Paul's tribe. I'm of Apollos' tribe. I'm Baptist. I'm Methodist. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Pentecostal. I'm, I'm kingdom. I'm finished work. I am, and I'm stepping off into some areas y'all don't even familiar with, but just different movements that are out there, different camps. And you know, what I want you to recognize is the little few differences that we have are minimal compared to the vast amount of common DNA that we share. And the fact that we're united around a person and his name is Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't become part of a party spirit. Well, I'm in this group and we've, we've, got, a, we've got a corner on truth. We, we're the nearest to the scripture because I'm of this denomination. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. Another one says, oh, well, I'm of Christ. I, I, I went all the way back to the original source. I'm better than all of you. And there was a political spirit. Yes, I said the word political. I, I, and the, what I see in our nation right now scares me because never in my lifetime has there been such a stark contrast and a demonization of the other side by what, whichever side you're on. Would to God we would have some statesmen that would appear and come into Congress and to the Senate that would be real leaders that would stand up and say, how about we sit down at the table of fellowship and we listen to each other and we actually have the motivation of the people of the nation and their needs first before a political ideology or before enriching our own pockets 
The corruption that is up there is indescribable. God sent revival in Jesus' name. Send revival to the Supreme Court. Send revival to the houses of Congress. Send revival to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We can pray that all day long. You know where we need revival first? In the church. We need to be united. We need to get our act together. And then he'll show up just to see it. Come on, somebody. I am not in any kind of way telling you you've got to come off of your convictions. Praise God. Vote Democrat, vote Republican. You vote whatever your conviction is. And some of you are offended that I actually included a party that you're not. And if you, if you thought that, you're the problem. I know it's extreme these days. And I'll just tell you, I, I, don't, I don't get up here and tell you who to vote for. I don't tell you what my convictions are other than the fact that I am a Bible, conservative, Bible-believing Christian. You can figure it out from there. But when we start to make, when we start to give messianic characteristics to any political ideology, we have just become part of idol worship. I remember when everybody was saying all the Christians in the evangelical right were going, oh, if, if Bill Clinton and Al Gore get elected, it'll be the end of the world. We'll all get marked with the mark of the beast. Well, here we are 25 years later and, you know, you know, you know what, folks? I don't care if Biden and, and Kamala Harris or Kamala, let me say it right, get elected. God's not going to fall off his throne. Let me, let me just switch it around for some of, the, some of you too. I don't care if Trump gets reelected and somebody in the room will probably groan. God's not going to fall off his throne. And listen, in case you think that I'm ever coming at or supporting one side over another, I forgive you because that is not my intention. I have been trying for years to raise people up out of a party spirit, out of a political division and for years, the evangelical white church has pressed the Republican side and the African-American church has pressed the Democrat side. And that whole thing is wrong. Because our hope is not in a party. Our hope is in Jesus. Now, you pray and you vote. You better vote this election. I'm going to tell you, it's like one of my heroes years ago used to say, if you didn't vote, you don't have a voice. Shut your mouth and quit complaining because you didn't vote. You need to show up and vote. Cast, let your voice be heard. But you know what? Once that vote is there and the, and the, and the votes are counted, and God help us with this one, there's already setting it up for confusion with both sides. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We desperately need in that moment for whoever wins to stand up and say, okay, guys, we got to work together. Let's come together as a nation. And then you and I commit to pray for whoever, whether the current one moves out and a new one moves in or the current one stays for four more years. We commit to be people who speak words of faith out of our mouths. Come on, in, in the days of COVID, folk, we need to isolate from fear. We need to socially distance ourselves from doubt. We need to protect ourselves from all of this argumentation in this nation. And in the middle of it all, we need to trust God. Come on, somebody. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I have this one scripture here that I want to just say. Jana hit it last Sunday and it was so powerful. We just went right past it and I want to get it one more time. There's the only statement in all of scripture 
regarding racial, social status, and gender issues appears in Galatians 3.28. It says, you're all one in Christ because of faith in Christ Jesus. And he says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. Everybody say, no longer. Those distinctions are gone because now we are swallowed up in Christ. We are united. He says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now you, that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. When we get our act together, he'll show up just to see it. Unity is so important to the Lord that he makes it a determining factor in receiving his blessing. Folk, whatever your identity is, whatever your group is, whatever your preference is, you got to realize that something bigger than that swallows you up. I, yes, I am a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. They call me a wasp, but you know what? I'm a wasp in Christ. And I'm going to say this to you. I am a Christian before I'm an American. Because being American ain't going to get you to heaven. Being in Christ is what secures your relationship with the Heavenly Father. Therefore, that means that everything that governs my world and my life and my worldview is all based on being in Christ and not my nationality, my nationalism, my political party, my gender, my social status, my educational level, my skin color, all of those things become subservient to this thing now that I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. That's who I am. Walter, Walter Jones, retired colonel from the Marine Corps, pastor of a church in Havelock, North Carolina. Fine, fine, fine brother of mine. I preached in this church a number of times when I was in Bible school in North Carolina. He told the story one time about going to get his driver's license renewed. Handsome black man. He goes and he says, um, he turns in his application for his new license to renew it. And the lady notices where it says race, he didn't check black, he checked other. She says, sir, what do you mean? You're clearly a black man. He says, no, I'm a new creation in Christ. She said, well, sir, I have to put black on here. I said, I don't care what you have to put. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm in Christ before I'm a black man. Now, when enough black folk and enough red folk and enough white folk and enough yellow folk can get that revelation, we can get our act together and he'll show up to see it. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. Father, thank you today for this message. Thank you for uniting us in Jesus Christ. Lord, the differences that we have are so minuscule compared to the amazing things that we share in common. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. Thank you for those that are watching, Lord, on the internet. Thank you for brothers and sisters from other churches that have begun to watch us here at Victory. I pray that you bless them and encourage them in the spiritual family that they're in. Lord, anyone that is under the sound of my voice right now, live in this room, on our broadcast in this moment, Lord, in the future, who has never crossed the line of faith and said, Jesus, save me, be Lord of my life. I just speak these words to you right now. God does not want you to be separated from him. 
He has provided for you in his son and the finished work on the cross, everything to pay for the penalty of my sin and yours in past, present, and future, provide for every need that you will ever have, past, present, and future. That's all in the cross, and it changed everything. Very simply, it is a grace gift that is given to you. It's not something you work for, earn it, or deserve it. Eternal life is the gift of God. Very simply, in this moment, if you're ready to cross that line of faith and say, Pastor, I want to be united with Christ. I want to be one with the Lord. I want to be at peace in my heart and my soul. Very simply, just pray these words. If that's you this morning, anybody in the room, slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Anybody? Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes, I see one back there. Anybody else this morning? Hallelujah. Congregation, I'd like you to pray. Let's pray with those who lifted their hands. Let's make this declaration together this morning. Father, thank you for your word. I receive it today. Unite my heart to fear your name. Jesus, save me. I trust you. I receive your gift today of eternal life. Forgive my sins. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I turn from my past and I turn to you in faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. What a powerful message.